Now is the time to submit quietly. We control all you hear and feel. You are about to enter a great adventure and experience the awe and mystery. From your ultimate fantasies to your deepest fears, from which you may never return. Welcome back to Strutting from Gorilla. We got episode 13 here with the whole Gorilla squad. Uh, We're excited. We have made the executive decision through popular votes of the fan to make this a bi-weekly podcast. I think we'll be able to cover a little bit more content, be more engaging. Um, As always, if you have ideas for the show, make sure you uh, tweet at us at from underscore gorilla on the Twitter machine. Um, just getting back in here. I know you guys did a great, uh, did a great episode. I'm sorry. I wasn't there, but, uh, it was very, very good. Very good. Very, uh, very happy with it. I enjoyed listening. Um, this week we have what we call our hall of fame episode. So I think we're going to talk about some guys that maybe we think should be in there that aren't maybe some guys that are in there that maybe shouldn't be. So, um, let's, let's get right into it here. We've got everyone here. Let's start off with Mikey Cash. Thanks, Vito. Good to be back here with everybody. Uh, just to, to open up with some of my two cents in the wrestling world this week. Uh, one thing that's really cool, AEW is making a video game. That's right. We don't have to deal with the shitty WWE 2K 25, 26, 27. It just doesn't matter what the name of their next shitty game is because AEW is just continuing their babyface run by not only getting three video games, I think two of them are mobile, and this this next one is going to be a console game, and this console game is going to be made by the same guys who developed one of the best, one of the most electrifying wrestling video games of all time, WWF No Mercy. With a foundation like that, coming from those creative minds, I am looking forward to playing AEW's video game. Even though I've seen uh, some screenshots and Chris Jericho looks absolutely ridiculous, I'm still going to be excited to play it. And I know you guys will too. Now, on another note, we're going to be talking a little bit about the Montreal Screwjob tonight. We're going to touch on it. It's an anniversary. We're coming up to Survivor Series. But I feel like I'd be remiss to not bring up Wendy Richter, who 12 years before the 1997 Screwjob, was screwed by Vince McMahon and Fabulous Moolah. I know I touched on this before, but if you haven't, go on Hulu, watch Dark Side of the Ring, watch the Fabulous Moolah episode, because November 25th, 1985, Wendy Richter was screwed. She was poised to be the female Hulk Hogan, and she got screwed by Vince McMahon and Fabulous Moolah. We're going to post a clip uh, of their match on, on Twitter. And we'll put it in the show notes, too. We'll make sure we get it on there to, for you guys to see. When you watch it, I don't know if the, if the rest of you guys checked it out, but you can see that the ref counts real quick in that little, like, inside cradle that Mula had uh, uh, Wendy Richter in. I don't know if you guys got to see it, did you? No. No, I did not. Great. Great. All right. So, awesome. This podcast is going wonderful already. So, <laughs> you guys, along with the other hosts of this show, should check this out. Because it is a fucking travesty. 
And that's all I'll say about until we get to the real Montreal screwjob. Thanks, Mikey Cash. Moving on, Big Mango. Hey, uh, I'm coast to coast, like butter and toast. I'm here to spit some rhymes and uh, drop some dimes. Okay, I got a couple of thoughts to open up a little bit. Thanks, Mikey. That was really cool. Uh, so I have two completely unrelated thoughts just to open up with. Um, I really, really, as we spoke about on our last uh, podcast episode, uh, at Hell in a Cell, uh, Sasha Banks defeated Bailey almost as the culmination of the five-year feud. Um, and subsequently, uh, Sasha Banks and Bailey had a rematch, I guess, on Friday Night SmackDown. And Sasha Banks beat Bailey clean in the middle of the ring, uh, and uh, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, but they set up her next feud, Sasha Banks, as one of the eight world champions in WWE. She, her next feud is with Carmella. Carmella came up out of nowhere. She uh, attacked Sasha Banks. So I guess all you have to do to get into the world title picture for WWE now is just show up randomly and attack somebody without any preconceived pre, uh, uh, idea of a feud. It's kind of ridiculous if you ask me. I think they could have done a lot better than Carmella. I really think that if you look back over the history of the women's division, uh, they just throw things together for no reason. You know, I think you guys might agree. There hasn't been a lot of actual feuds. Um, And I think about something like uh, five – I'm sorry. I'm kind of blabbing for a while. I didn't really uh, anticipate talking this much about women's wrestling because I don't respect women's wrestling. But um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Years ago, when um, the CM Punk's wife, what was her name? AJ Lee. AJ. AJ Lee was champion. Out of nowhere, Paige comes out, right? That was pretty cool. Paige beat her in the middle of the ring and became champion. So they introduced like a new talent, new hot talent. But to try to uh, throw Carmella into that sort of thing where she just comes out and takes over and she's in the feud for the WWE title, even though she has no I just, she sucks. She looks funny. There's no buildup. I think we've talked about this a hundred times. It's just, they just throw shit against the wall and hope it works. There's literally no buildup. If you look at any of the good feuds that have gone on, there's always some sort of buildup. There's always some sort of reasoning behind it. And it's a slow build. There's nothing here. And that's what they've done with most of these feuds. And it's difficult to watch because you don't know what's going on. Yeah. And I actually, the, the problem that I'm having is like, if they didn't put Carmella in it, who would they put in it? Like they don't, they don't build any female wrestlers. They don't do anything like that. What I was thinking is maybe somebody from NXT, like um, that woman who wears her hair really short. What's her name? Rhea, Rhea Ripley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's sick. Yeah. Or yeah, you know what? Right. How about going along the lines with the, um, the Nia Jack storyline here? It's not even a storyline. She hurts every wrestler that she, she wrestles. She should, they should just use that to the advantage now and have her literally injure every wrestler that she goes against. It's a, when have you ever seen that, that storyline? Mango, you're right. It's so disappointing after we were so happy talking about the Sasha and Bailey, like wrap up feud and how it was like so meaningful. And then they just like talk about like, them laying giant turds like at the end of a feud like they just laid a giant turd to start one out they were just like let's start with this shart of a storyline and see how it goes stupid it's right it's doa it's dead on arrival and that's just so it's so disheartening because like you said mike that what a great feud that was i mean and obviously they could go back to it anytime they wanted um okay so that's enough about that i'll just move on to my second opening thought i'm sorry i'm talking a lot 
Uh, I listened to an awesome podcast. It was Chris Jericho's podcast, and Miro was on there, also known as Rusev. And I, have you guys heard it? No, no. I've oh, heard Jericho's. I've heard Jericho's podcast. It's really good, but I didn't hear this one. Yeah, so he tends to have on um, guys when they first join AEW, and they're like just coming out. Of, he's been having guys who left WWE, for instance. Like uh, I think he probably had Jack Swagger, but he the big one was um, Dean Ambrose, and Ambrose was like trash talking WWE and stuff like that, right? Uh, Miro had a very very interesting story. Um, I just I I like this guy so much. Uh, I would really recommend you guys listen to it. Uh, there wasn't like a huge bombshell sort of thing that happened on the podcast, but um, he did explain that he felt like he was underused, which he was. Yeah, of course. Um, and the craziest thing is, I think he added up his wins and losses in the last three years. I think it was last three years of being in WWE. He won five matches, <laughs> even though he had Rusev Day. And then one of the funny things was that um, Vince McMahon thought that Rusev Day was the fans fucking with Rusev. Not like they didn't really like Rusev. They were f- like fucking with him. Like you're so ridiculous, Rusev. Like that's yeah. Not- but they did the same thing with Angle when they said you suck. Like it, you should just take what what they're giving you and go with it. You know, just like when they did New Day sucks. What's the difference between that? You know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't make any sense. The show yeah, how out of touch he is. Yeah. Right. He's in. And Miro said, uh, you know, my T-shirt sold out last night. And he was uh, like at the house show. I mean, people were buying that fucking shirt. I would buy it now. Uh, so just because I love the guy. I don't know. But I think, uh, didn't they also say that that uh, Vince McMahon was pissed when they found when he found out that Lana and uh, and Rusev got married and they didn't tell them? Yes. So, I I okay, so this is, what Rusev said was. Uh, Lana had they were in a po- like an opposing feud, so they weren't together on screen, you know. So, um, but the pictures of their engagement got leaked to the press somehow, and he wasn't even sure how. And Vince squashed his push. He was supposed to be like the Intercontinental Champion. He put him down in the dumps, like as if people didn't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, I I get it. Come on. Anyways, I'd I'd listen to it if I were you guys. Do you, I don't know. Do you guys like Miro as much as I do? Am I just like such a mark for this guy? I have nothing against him. I liked him. I don't know that I like him as much as you do, but I also don't like Roman Reigns as much as you. So each <laughs> to their own. And nobody likes big fat wrestlers as much as I do. So everybody has their own take, their own speed. I just didn't realize that Bastion Booger really was that much of a disaster, and he is by far easily the worst fat wrestler ever to hit the main stage. That is not my two cents. I just jumped right in. So, Well, the Shockmaster's probably up there, too. With the Stormtrooper helmet? Yeah, when he came crashing crashing through the wall and fell, and the helmet fell off. (laughs) That's like a classic... But yeah, big big guy Bobby Stone. Oh, big boy Bobby Stone. That's what we're gonna start calling you, big boy Bobby Stone. <laughs> Bob, um, you can go with your two cents, man. Yeah, yeah that's good, Mango. On to the the leader of men, Mr. Bobby Stone. That is the million dollar laugh for today's fuck. <laughs> WWE stock watch. Here we are. Forty fucking dollars, thirty cents. That's your stock price right now. Um, on Friday it was thirty-seven. Monday it was forty-one. You know, so we're going up and down. 
just like a really shitty match. Um, guys, honestly, I don't think we're ever going to see it at $35. Uh, can, I, can I add something here? I was listening. You know, I was going to talk about this later, but this is a really good time to talk about this. Um, Vince Russo was on um, – Gosh, I, mean, I forget what what podcast it was now, but he was on there and he was talking about how you talked about the stock amp being up. I was kind of shocked about that because the viewership numbers on Raw are really low. I don't know what they are off the top of, of, of my head right now, but it's like very, very low before like when the pandemic hit very, very low. Uh, but the big thing was when they had this Thunderdome, I guess he said that a lot of people within the USA network were happy about it because it was going to bring people back, but it was only a short term thing because people would see the excitement once or twice and then be bored with it. And I think that's kind of what happened. And I guess like there's, he heard because he says, and this is Vince Russo. So take it for what you want. It's probably a twist at the end of it or something, but he says that uh, they're, they're in trouble and they don't, he does not know if USA is going to re-sign Raw, um, and and WWE is kind of low in the on the USA totem pole. So take that for bro, what it's worth, bro. Tell I'm telling you now, they can't stay the course. I talked to Vince, and I said, bro, you gotta do something different. This ain't <laughs> 1998 anymore. Steve Austin's not walking it through that door. <laughs> that is a that is a perfect example of Vince Russo. It's like we have him on the show right now. Well, we're both from New York. It's perfect. Yeah, it actually <laughs> is perfect. That was that was really good impression of him. That's exactly how he talks. That was the first time I've never tried it before. This was that was good. I was all live. I think about when I think about Vince Russo is when he was on the uh in the Pope Mobile. It was like one of the last oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like one of the yeah. it was like one of the and Goldberg tries to like spear through the Pope Mobile. Oh, it was like one of the last uh nitros but it was bad anyways off topic here bobby stone no it was actually a glorious segue into um into really what i wanted to get back to uh and that is slowing down the content to rebuild the storylines we talked about this i know it's never going to happen it's more of a pipe dream but if they realize that less is more i i think them losing raw off of USA would actually be probably one of the worst things that ever happened to them until it goes to the WWE network. They can still control their, their destiny and their, their push. And they can actually start to uh, watch the way that the fans want to see the show. And we were talking about that by them going into the network and watching how fans interact uh, with different shows uh, what fans want to watch, what fans don't want to watch, um, because they've got content all over the place. I'm personally fixated on some of the NWA stuff right now, um, and I brought up the the Thunderdome a couple of weeks ago, um, which is the first Thunderdome, by the way. Oh, yeah, what kind of a question you want to ask? All right. So back to my point about the network, 
fuck if I remember where I was. Well, I think you were talking about the uh, how people go in there and you can kind of get a better read for what fans want. And I think that's really good because throughout this whole pandemic, what, are, what aren't you getting here? You're not getting fan reactions. You really don't know what the fans are liking and not liking. Like, you get the pops, right? The cheap pops, the regular pops, and who's getting the most heat from the fans. And you're not getting any of that. So you get no feedback on what's good and what's bad. They're basically just kind of going off of what they think is good and what's what's bad and and they're clearly not doing a good job but they weren't doing a good job with the fans so i'm not really shocked agreed and and that that's really why at this critical point where you have the ability to keep superstar safe, safety in mind uh you can you can slow it all down you don't have to have everybody coming in and recording content over and over again you actually have the ability to start playing out and building up some of your stories just for example if that rock roman story actually comes into effect like we're kind of hoping uh that has the ability to get slow played let me ask you a question though and i i bring this up and i know we're kind of getting off topic here a little bit but uh one of the things vince russo said in the interview is that you know somehow vince mcmahon will do a job of selling usa or another network the whole Austin rock treatment, right? Where, you know, when they were big, they had these stars and it was the stars that were drawing the people in. And I think WWE, we've talked about this countless times where they're not, they're building this cog, but the cog's worthless. Like when you're going to sell to a a network and you're saying, Hey, these guys are bringing in, in, in numbers. What are you going to do? Say, Hey, we're going to bring in a 70 year old undertaker and an 80 year old Hulk Hogan. And, a, and, a, and, you know, The Rock is still good, but I mean, Austin, you know, how many times can he stun someone and drink a beer at the end of a show for 10 minutes and really draw people in? I just, they're losing things to sell. I think Cena was the last big one. I think you can see a little bit of it in Roman Reigns and even in The Fiend, but they're not building them up. Like, make them the star. Make them the star. Well, that's uh, not what they think yeah. is good, Vito, so they're not going to book that on TV. I mean, it's as simple as that. This is, again, it's another, Vince McMahon wants total control. But the problem with him having total control is that he's out of touch. So no one's able to challenge anything that he does except maybe Triple H, which, thank God, that fucker has control of NXT. Because as bad as their main shows have been, at least NXT is somewhat better. I mean, it hasn't been that great the last couple of weeks, but it's at least somewhat better. Uh, Just to speak to what you guys are talking about, uh, the business model is changing. So uh, if, if Vince Russo can say all he wants that USA doesn't like WWE, but they're under contract till 2023 at $200 million a year. So they can't get, no matter what, they, they can't cancel that contract. What I think the WWE is working towards is by 2023, can they be as big or half as, or an eighth as big as Netflix on the, on the streaming service? That's I think that's where they're going with it. They don't yeah. they don't do any of the PPVs anymore, and uh, and maybe just Raw, SmackDown, and NXT go on the network, and people pay, and they go up to fourteen ninety nine or something like that. No, those, those are all really good points, and maybe that is what they're doing. But I, I agree, I agree with you about Vince Russo. I think he's terrible to some degree. I think he's done a lot of good things for the business, to, but he also has done a lot of bad things. But I think he does have a good point there, though. And I don't know, maybe you're right. Maybe they're trying to do something else. But I can tell you, because we sit here every week and we say the same things, it's not working. Like, it's not working. So 
it's like do something different. We're we're more excited to watch the the AEW than we are anything else, and we always talk about it. So, but think about it in 1995 or 94 when Raw first got on the air, they had a fight to keep being on the air. You know what I mean? Like they didn't have these three four year contracts. Like they right. they, no, don't, they don't care. It, they could put shit yeah. on a stick, put I it in know. front of the camera, and still get paid. Well, yeah, that's they, why they I'm know. hoping. Yeah, that's why I'm hoping AEW kind of really does continue this push to you know light a fire under their ass. Maybe they'll gain some wrestling fans back because they've lost a lot, and it's not just our generation; it's the new generation coming up. There's not a lot of kids watching wrestling, and if they want to see this continue, they've got to have something new. And I, I just you know we'll sit here and talk about shit all day, but yeah, you know. Yeah. It, let, let's let's move on let's yeah. move on it was good it's good like, subject here um, yeah it'll be a good segue maybe to talking about AEW um, yeah the but before I before we go that just to tell you AEW has the different business model where it's still contingent upon putting out a good product because people a lot of their revenue is based on the pay-per-view so uh, every month if or what? How often they have a pay per view? Three times a year. They yeah, it's four, a, they have four yeah. pay per views yeah. a year. And if they put out a shitty product, nobody's going to buy the pay per view. Right. Whatever. People don't go on the network because they love what's happening right now. They go on the network because Boss Bobby Stone wants to watch Sebastian Booger versus Shockmaster <laughs> <laughs> in Yokozuna. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sorry, but uh, yeah. Uh, we can keep moving on. No, those are all really it's good points, Mango. No, I, those are all good points. And I, like I said, I we could talk negative stuff all day and what bothers us because we pretty much do it every week. But um, let's talk about some positive things. Uh, I do want to talk real quick with my two cents, uh, but uh, I'm going to make mine really quick so we can get into the meat and potatoes of the whole thing. Um, but the Undertaker, we didn't mention this. I want to mention this. I'm really happy that they're finally coming to a close on his career. Obviously, you don't want to see a legend like that retire, but like for God's sake, it's about time. Like it's really just about time. And I'm glad they're doing this whole month celebration. I'm glad that it's ending. His retirement's going to be on uh, uh, at the Survivor Series where he first came in. And they're doing like all these different things. They're going to have Austin on his podcast. He's going to be on Austin's podcast. So I'm excited to look. I'm looking forward to seeing him and celebrating his career, but letting these other guys shine. It's about time. So um, there's that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on, I know you mentioned the AEW video game, uh, Mike. Uh, and I actually, I don't know if you guys caught this or not, but I watched, they did like a, um, an unveiling and Kenny Omega run it, ran it. And they it did it like, like Steve jobs. Yeah. They did it like an Apple uh, unveiling, which was pretty awesome. They all had, uh, the the black suits on or the black turtleneck and glasses and I thought it was pretty cool but um, yeah I'm excited for that game uh, the the company that makes it is called Ukes and they they did make the uh, the the No Mercy uh, game and uh, I'm excited I think it'll be a good dumbed down version of wrestling which it should be but not cartoonish and like super superhuman like not WWE 2K Battleground yeah not it that, doesn't yeah. need to be that no like, it's no it Agreed. needs to be like here comes the pain like it was yep. just fun to just play simple. like the, the controls yeah. are simple 
Agreed. Agreed. So we'll see how that goes. I'm excited for that. Uh, and then they have these weird other mobile games. I saw one. It was like, you can be the general manager and basically you pick people and their stock goes up or down. And I, I'm curious to see how that pans out, but nice. it's definitely, hey, any, anyway, it seems like they're trying to break into that fantasy market. And I know WWE tried to do it and they didn't do a very good job. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. If it gets more people to watch and it gets some of the younger crowd involved too, I'm happy about it. But real quick, let me touch on AEW. Uh, full gear. I know a few of you have watched it or seen some clips. Um, I mean, I thought it was good. I, I can't tell you that I didn't like it. I can't tell you that it was the best pay-per-view I've ever seen, but again, it's like refreshing to watch that over any sort of WWE programming. Like I like that John Moxley and Kingston had, you know, they had some, the, they had thumbtacks, right? They got the blood going. It was that, you know, that got me going. That was, yeah. that was great. You know, they had um, real barbed wire, I think too. They like, did. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then they had the, um, the, uh, the match, the tag team match, but oh, gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on names right the, now. The I don't really Bucks, know why. The young yeah, and FTR. FTR. Yeah. And FTR. And I thought that that was really great. Um, and then my, I still think my favorite is uh, Darby Allen. And he won the TNT Championship from Cody Rose, which was a pretty good match. So, Vito, did you did you hear when they announced Cody? He's Cody Rhodes again. He got the name back. It's uh, amazing. WWE oh. gave up the trademark, so they so he was able to get it back. But uh, I, I didn't even. That, notice I think that. it happened like that week. The, the week, like, I think it just happened. Oh, I didn't week. even notice that. Yeah, oh. fucking finally, he yeah. was able to get it back. Did they um, change the spelling of Rhodes? Is- nope, it's exactly the same. Okay. Yeah. I was very curious if his if it was R O A D S. He had the blonde hair back. Blonde again. hair, yeah. So he's just kind of switching back and forth. But I thought the product was pretty good. I I was happy with it overall. Um, you know, my my stance is, uh, you know, I still think Jericho is his time is is windering down. He's getting stiffer and stiffer as they go. But uh, if you guys have any thoughts you want to add to the to the show, I mean, please, sure. Now, uh, well, first. Uh, I think Eddie Kingston deserves a lot of credit. I, I actually didn't expect a lot from him because I wasn't too familiar with his work. I watched a little bit of it when he was on NWA Power. But, man, that guy's promos are fucking fire. That guy knows how to work a mic. And and I think they, they should continue to use him if they're smart. And uh, Moxley, again, impressed. He did well. Like you said, Vito, it's not, it wasn't my favorite AEW pay-per-view, but I thought overall it was pretty good. Uh, the Bucks and FTR, really great match. The, my my gripe is those stipulations that are if I lose I'll never do it again because it's just a dead giveaway. Like with the exception of the Cody and Jericho match, like it's it's a dead giveaway. Like there's no way the Bucks are going to be in AEW and not have a title. So that was the only gripe with it. But I thought it was good. I want to just drive home this point that I I think all wrestling promotions should get rid of buy-in slash pre-shows. They are a waste of time and. And I, I, with that, I want to say that the I actually I watched it and the NWA women's title match was on, and so Thunder Rosa came back, returns, wants to have a rematch, and nobody saw it because it was just on YouTube. So there's they they could have done with like cutting a couple of matches like Sammy Guevara and Matt Hardy. It was fine. It was fun, but like I did I that could have just aired that on Dynamite. That would have been fine or on YouTube. Like an Orange Cassidy's match, I like him, but it didn't need to be on that show. Right, like, that was a dynamite match. 
you should the 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 NWA women's title match should have been on there because people like the pay-per-view audience deserve to see Thunder Rosa come back because everybody really loves Thunder Rosa. We were just talking last week about where she might end up once her contract expires. So I think that was something. But um, I like the Tony Khan presser afterwards. I I, I don't, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. So if other guys have thoughts about the show. I actually did not see the show. Yeah. Oh, great. Awesome. Well, hey, I mean, it is expensive. Though. Hey, look, it is. It is. Bucks. Yeah. 50 bucks you, for yeah. pay-per-view. Did you guys bu- both buy it or did you sh- like? Um, yeah, I bought it. Who wouldn't buy it, Mango? Uh, I actually did have to buy it. <laughs> I don't have uh, Vito's cable box, so I have to actually I had to buy this one. But it it was pretty good. It again, it was good. Uh, yeah. So not. Oh, go no, go ahead, go ahead, Mike. So I, I wanted to talk real quick about the the press conference that Tony Khan had afterwards, and in that press conference, he addresses several of the criticisms that I think we've talked about on here about AEW and sort of their 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 struggle and stutter starts with the women's division. And he actually said it and, and kind of called himself out and said that he's actually had a hand in booking some of it. And and uh, more more specifically, even this the women's title match that happened on the card, he said that he knows that there was trouble with how they built that match. And by built, I mean not built at all. So uh, actually owning his mistake and saying that they want to try to improve it is another refreshing aspect of AEW because I don't think we'd ever hear somebody in administration or in the creative department in WWE ever say something like that. So I think that's awesome. Uh, One thing that I'm worried about, and I know Mango, you said you were worried about this too, is their talk of adding another show already. So they have AEW and that's two hours a week. They have AEW dark, which is on YouTube. And that varies from an hour to almost two hours sometimes. And now they're thinking about adding another show. I'm worried that they're risking sort of spreading themselves too thin already when they're still only in their, you know, they're just celebrating their first year anniversary. I don't, I don't know, Mango, if you got any thoughts on that. I, I agree with you. Uh, I think that the, it, th- they definitely run the risk of watering things down. I think that there's like kind of a sweet spot with wrestling for per week hours. Like you can only produce so much content and make it like, intriguing you know what i mean mm-hmm. like there's almost only so much a wrestling fan could take right now two hours on tnt every wednesday night it's good stuff yep it's good stuff and it, adding that adding more content but getting more money from a network or something I, it's not worth it it's not, not worth it in my opinion they're gonna not. go down the, the tubes it, it's never worked thunder wcw thunder <laughs> smackdown, smackdown. <laughs> oh my god well let yeah. me put it let me put it in another light too. Look at look at the NFL. Okay. The NFL is Sunday. You think of the NFL, you think of Sunday. They add Monday night, okay, you get one game. Then you're going to have Thursday night, then you're going to have Saturday nights, you know, eventually. And it it who the hell is going to sit there and watch these games every night of the week? Like we don't have enough time. We just don't have an, I mean, during quarantine, we might, but it just, it waters it all down. It, and it's the same thing with wrestling. You have all these promotions now, and it's not just the promotions. It's the, the shows within the promotion. So you literally could sit there and watch a different thing every day, but it's professional wrestling. I mean, how many different moves are you going to see? And then you watch a show that's four hours long for a pay-per-view and, and then you're going to add more to it. Doesn't make any sense. If they want to do it right, 
AEW does a really good job with their promos and their kind of vignettes before kind of summing everything up. It, yep. it's, it feels so much better. And you listen to it, you watch it. Like the one with Darby Allen was awesome. You know, and it, it was great. And it's stuff like that that they should do to pump you up for the show, mm-hmm. not add matches that you don't want to see in the first place. So Right. And and that's essentially what AEW Dark is for the most part. There's a few exceptions with it, but it's very much like that. Like, it's very much dark. They're all dark kind of matches. Like, people are kind of getting their feet wet. And then, for some reason, you have Billy Gunn and his son, which I could give a fuck less about if I ever see Billy Gunn on TV again. <laughs> like, no offense to Billy Gunn. I just have no interest in seeing him again. Well, one thing real quick. I swear to God, I'll, I'll stop. But, so... They talked about working with the NWA in that press conference, and I think that's really cool. I think uh, more wrestling companies are starting to do these sort of cross-promotional sort of collaborations with each other. And I think it's a it's a callback to the territory days, which none of us were really alive to see back, at least in their heyday. So the fact that they're doing this, they're opening up uh, a possibility of working with New Japan. And New Japan is actually wor- has a working relationship now with Impact. So that's really cool because... It opens the opportunity for us to see these dream matches that, you know, throughout our lives, when when people were in WCW or WWF, we always thought like, oh, it'll never happen because they're never going to allow somebody to to go over to a different territory. Now we actually have that possibility. And that's really cool because it gives the wrestling fans some exposure to these other promotions and these other stars like like in New Japan, like Tanahashi or Okada. Those guys that that I mean, they were there. They're kind of the new Nakamura's over there. Like they're they're amazing workers and nobody's ever heard of them over here. So it's really cool to see. And and I'm just excited about it. No, I think those are all really good points. Sorry, Bobby Stone. I didn't want to interrupt you. Go for it. No, it's fine. I think uh, this is really where where you guys just by virtue of what it is you're talking about, AEW and, and being suspect of them going too big, too quick, is that overarching less is more. And I'll keep driving that home because you don't want to hear my my insights uh, on the NFL. Actually, that's going to be for a different show, Dynasty Logics. It's coming in the near future, just to give you guys a heads up. But completely less is more, and the reason why it is, you give that full story and then you let it breathe. You let things breathe, that chemistry, you give people time to actually catch on to it, let them react to it, and and see where it builds. If everybody wants to be completely interactive with their fan base, you're not giving us time to be interactive with you. You're already on to seven things further into it. How many times are we talking about a pay-per-view, and oh, by the way, we've already we're into the next pay-per-view series before we even blink again. It's ridiculous. And I think what your concerns are with AEW, I didn't even get to start watching it yet. And you're already talking about a third, third piece of branding. Yeah. You might be going a little too quick on it. Yeah. I, I agree there. I agree there. Um, this is all good stuff. This is all great stuff, but I want to I want to keep us moving along a little bit. We we have a couple other things we want to touch on here. Um, r- really good stuff, though. Um, so next, so I I've been watching. I think you guys hit on it last week. You guys did a great job talking about the WWE Network. I loved all of it. Um, but yes, I've been watching 1997 WWF 
and I actually watched the the Montreal Survivor Series, um, and it was awesome. Uh, but I got to tell you, on the network, they as soon as the match is over, they edit everything out. Like, there's nothing about you see him spit in Vince's face, but you don't actually you see Vince wipe it off. You don't see him spit in the face, and you don't see the big WCW that he draws and and any of that. But um, I got to tell you, I did not realize how much of a prick Shawn Michaels was. I mean, dude, he was. He had the flag in his nose and his crotch. Like he was something it. It was yeah. If someone did that nowadays, oh, oh, it would be it'd it'd be over. But I, I thought it was I thought it was a great Survivor Series, and the screw job was was pretty pretty. Uh, yeah, I listen as much as when you go into it, you can now that you know everything. When you watch the beginning of the uh, the the pay per view, you can kind of see Jr. and the King kind of allude to what's going on. And the other thing is Vince was still doing commentary at that time. It wasn't every night. It wasn't every pay-per-view for the most part. He was there every time, but he wasn't there that time. So uh, very interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, but I- I'll let someone else kind of talk about it. Uh, well, one thing is after, was it when you watch the dark side of the ring and when you watch and if you watch the wrestling with shadows documentary about Bret Hart, where they follow him basically from 19, 1996, all the way through the Montreal Screwjob, which is like Im- impressive that they were able to get that kind of access. But it's caused some people to think that there was like a conspiracy, that it was actually like a work and it, was, it wasn't real life like we, we think it was. And I'm here to tell people, fuck that theory. It was real because the basis of a conspiracy is that all parties involved benefit. Only two parties benefited of the three. Shawn Michaels, Vince McMahon, Bret Hart did not benefit one fucking iota. Yeah, that. but can I tell you this, though? They, he could have. This could have went the other way around. If WCW chose to be like, hey, Bret Hart, you're a babyface. You have the biggest babyface persona right now because everyone just saw you get screwed. That wasn't going to benefit Vince. That wasn't going to benefit Vince. No. Have but him he- coming in hot to a different company. Yeah, but but I'm saying WCW when Bret Hart came in could have used that and ran with it. But what did they do when he first came into WCW? They, they did, turned him heel. They did then what WWE does now, which is lay a right. giant turd. But yeah, but they could have ran with it, and it could have been the other way around. You basically could have made all of WWF look like a heel and WCW look like a babyface. But they chose the opposite. But now we're making it about WCW. The bottom line is in in this. Yeah. It was like they screwed him. They absolutely fucking screwed him. And yeah, there was some there. We've benefited as fans because of this thing. So I think that's why for us, it's easy to say things like, yeah, it's a work. But I, when you watch that documentary and you see his his wife at the time, like that's fucking real. That was not that was not planned. Like they are not great actors. Yeah, there is no way they were they were acting that. And you saw what it did to the other guys around him. There was a ripple effect. Look at the rest of the Hart Foundation after that happened. And tell me that that was like... Which I find interesting. How many times do they go into Canada nowadays? Like, obviously not there. Yeah. But when they had all of that, I mean, the fans were going crazy. I mean, you go into Montreal, all of a sudden, Bret Hart's a hero. You go into the U.S., people hate him. 
You know, you go into the U.S., people love Stone Cold. You go into to Montreal and Canada, they hated, they hated him. He was flipping off the crowd. He was going bananas at that match. It was, a, I think, because he had a he had the the match against Owen Hart that night, and it, Owen Hart kept using the uh, Owen three sixteen, which was awesome, by the way, which was awesome. But uh, it was good. It was good. Which good for Stone Cold for letting him use that as a. Uh, as a as a storyline, it worked great. But no, the Bret Hart thing, I, I, I tend to agree with you. It's just there's so much that goes into it, and they did a again at that time everything that was real blurred the lines of you know fake. So it's tough to tell, you know. And Shawn Michaels does a hell of a job acting because the minute that you know it got called, he started yelling, grabbed the belt, and Gerald Briscoe shuffles him off, and then they end the pay per view. Yeah, that's Shawn Michaels doing the the, the best worst acting jobs. Like, what? I'm the champion. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But then, did you watch? I because I I did watch the next night's Raw, which uh, Rick Rude came out and talked, and it was, it was interesting. Uh, but but then the the best part about this is Shawn Michaels is out there, bad mouth of Bret Hart and everything, and and. Uh, uh, Ken Shamrock comes out and he gets on the microphone and has literally the worst promo yes. with with DX I've ever heard in my life. He called woman he called China man, but the way he did it, he's got that high pitched voice and he's like, yeah, and whatever you are, and he said it like three times and oh my god, and Shawn Michaels is doing the whole you know ooh, like you know keep keep trying to talk trash it was bad sorry i love ken shamrock but that was awful i watched yeah that. but like you were saying that wasn't the first time that there was a screw job no right? no and so like i was mentioning in my opening two cents wendy richter also got screwed by vince mcmahon and fabulous mula uh fabulous mula used to manage a wrestler called the, the lady spider and it was and she was a masked wrestler now Mula in this this screw job on November November twenty fifth nineteen eighty five Madison Square Garden, they have a, a women's title match Wendy Richter versus the Spider Lady, and if you watch the Dark Side of the Ring, Wendy talks about like the the strange things she saw backstage where she saw the real wrestler who was the Spider Lady and she saw Mula and then there were some weird interactions between them, and then she gets out to the ring and she said the Spider Lady looked like a little different and she's like it just seemed weird she's like but I didn't think too much about it and. Then she gets her like in an inside cradle. And, and if you watch it, uh, it's on YouTube. And, and I, like I said, it's a posted on there. That ref counts real quick. And you can see Wendy actually has kicked out. And he just like counts one. She kicks out. And then he just goes two, three. And then she gets up and then the bell rings. And she's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And you can tell she had no fucking idea. Conspiracy. So, so weird. So Wendy, Wendy Richter and Bret Hart need to like have a podcast or something. I think they should get together and talk about it. I feel like I've heard this before too. And I don't remember who mentioned it, but it, I have heard this before. So it's, it's very interesting. I always find it interesting though, about Bret Hart is that he was on a plane with Earl Hebner and Earl Hebner swore that he would not screw Bret Hart. And then he kind of did, but Bret Hart to this day only blames Vince McMahon and triple H. He doesn't even blame Shawn Michaels all that much. And he's, he really doesn't. As much as he hated him, he really believes that Michaels wasn't in on it as much as Triple H and Vince McMahon were. So we'll have to see how that goes. But I listen, I know where yep. we could talk about the Montreal. <laughs> we could job. talk about this forever. We really could. And when we have our Bret Hart episode, maybe we dig into it more. But I, I want to get into the 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 uh, the Hall of Fame 
uh, talk we were having. Um, so basically the thing I was bringing up, go ahead. Did you have something you want to say, Mike? Well, I thought there was a, there was a, a quick hot take about that Montreal screw job. Oh, what was the hot take? Did we miss well, it? We're going to have to talk to mango about that. Oh, mango. What was the hot take before we get into the, the hall of fame? I did have a quick hot take. Uh, it blurring, like you guys said, blurring the lines between real and fake. Uh, I think there were two things that couldn't be reconciled. It, that mostly caused the Montreal screw job. Uh, it was personal between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. So Bret Hart didn't want to lose to Shawn Michaels, even though it's fake. It's like, what the fuck? But he also, uh, Vince McMahon could not risk letting Bret Hart walk away with the title. With the WWF, why in Bret Hart is to blame for that? Because how can you be so naive to think that you are going to that Vince is going to let you be the champion until Monday night? So what his idea was the next day he was going to forfeit the title and then go to WCW. How bad does that look to make WWE look? You know what I mean? Back in, in Vince was having flashes back to '91 when uh, Ric Flair came over to WWF with the big gold belt. He would have done he if he did that to WCW, Eric Bischoff would have pissed, literally pissed on the WWE title in the middle of the ring, probably. Yeah, but the other thing is I also read that, you know, uh Brett said, Hey, look, I'll lose to Michaels. I don't want to lose in Montreal to Michaels. He goes, I'll lose the next night on Raw to him or at a house show or whatever you want me to do but I do not want to lose in Montreal to him. And he asked them repeatedly. And Vince finally told him, yes, you will. We're not going to lose the title. And this is what happened. So I don't understand why they couldn't work it out so that he could just stay one more day. What's the difference that to me, that doesn't make any sense to me, but what do I know? And he even called Bischoff and said, Hey, look, I am not going to show up. I'm going to push this off. I'll show up the next week on Raw on on Nitro, but I have to do this so I can lose the title. And Bischoff even agreed to do that. I think Bischoff said it in one of his uh, interviews. So I don't know. I I don't know what happened there. I think there's way more to the story than we probably even know about in all different sides. I think a lot of it was that Michaels and Triple H kind of ruled the locker room and they kind of had Vince in his back pocket. And I think that they... They didn't, they did as much as Vince didn't want Brett to lose the title uh, or have the title. Um, I also think that they wanted to kind of screw Brett over subconsciously before he went on to this other company that they're competing against. Anyways, those are, those are, those are good takes. So, uh, moving along, cause I know we're kind of short on time here. We'll touch on this kind of quickly. I mean, I, I listen, we could have a whole episode, maybe even a whole five episodes on the Hall of Fame. Um, but I think, you know, what brought this up is I was watching, Raw and I texted you guys and said, "Hey, Goldust, you know, is he a Hall of Famer? Because I don't know, is he? I really don't know. I mean, in my opinion, I feel like he is. But then it got us thinking, you know, what are the qualifications of Hall of Fame in WWE? So what are they? They they're I've gone and done extensive research, and I'm sure everybody else on this panel has as well." And there is zero criteria whatsoever. Absolutely. The Hall of Fame only resides in Vince McMahon's mind. (laughs) And that is why that is why uh uh Scott Steiner, what what uh big big something pump fucking big 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 daddy. Yeah, (laughs) freaks big bad that asshole. 
who has on multiple occasions gone out of his way to call Stephanie. I'll see you next Tuesday. The Steiner Brothers will never be in the Hall of Fame. Um, and they are a fantastic tag team, but it just goes to show you, you could have uh, you know, Hulk Hogan's out of the Hall of Fame currently because of his racist remarks. Meanwhile, we still have murderers like, uh, oh, who was the wrestler that had, had a manslaughter charge in him and is still in? Oh, Jimmy the- Snuka? Snuka. For killing his girlfriend? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, so... I mean, you have um, you have people who have just done right by either wrestling or done right by Vince, and those people are in the Hall of Fame or have done enough to warrant the fight to put their names in there. And it's still just a place. It should at least be in fucking Connecticut. It, it's it. I think they've for years tried to find some sort of physical building for it and i i think for wwe like this is all it's just another show that they're putting on this is all just some money like like an act right And, and and unfortunately some of these older wrestlers because like we've talked about before have gotten just absolutely fucked over once they've been done with wrestling and and we can go into that at another time but they look at it as a payday so they go and they do this and like they get pimped out and some of these wrestlers didn't even wrestle in WWE. So they're trying to act like they're the be all end all of all of wrestling. Meanwhile, in Wichita Falls, Texas, there actually is a brick and mortar pro wrestling hall of fame. That's there. And we're going to need to, well, I'm going to need to to look into it and find out what their criteria is. But I find that to be more actually legitimate than whatever anything WWE does. Because anything that they're doing, putting someone in the Hall of Fame is is only to benefit them. It's not to actually benefit the wrestler. It's really not about honoring them. I, I don't think so. I won't. I can't give them that kind of benefit of the doubt at this point. But I, it's kind of you know mango to use your term. It's a sham. It's it's a fucking sham. And like Andy's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. Yeah. No, I agree there. I also I think you know. As much as I hate the Baseball Hall of Fame and how they have the writers in there, I think there needs to be outside sources on this one. It can't be like the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, like you said. I don't know enough about it, but it needs to be a bigger event, and WWE should sponsor it and let them do the picking of it. They'll never do that, though, because they don't have control. Right, and Vince McMahon always wants control, complete and total. I know, but yeah. it, it's got to be something where they do outside. The, yeah. the other part of it is, is how do you have a Hall of Fame based on predetermined results and someone controls behind the scenes? Like, that's a difficult one for me. Um, so I have a game. I'm going to say a couple names, a couple wrestlers, and I want it all at the same time. You guys tell me in or out. Pretty simple, right? All right. So let's start with, with mine. Gold Dust. In or out? In. In. Mango? In. Okay. I also think in, I think he was kind of a, um, a, uh, a, a, a little bit of a, a unique circumstance. He was, you know, intercontinental champion, unique gimmick. One of the first sold it. People liked him. I agree. Okay. Psycho Sid. In. Out. In or out. 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 Oh my God. What do you I'm think? I'm saying in. I'm saying in. He was a main eventer. I think he was a terrible yeah, so was the great Khali, but he ain't going in. Okay, all right. 
Okay, we got that one. Let's move along. We can quickly. Are we gonna talk about this after? Yeah, well, I mean, we're gonna have to do a whole nother show on this. I just want to go through a couple of these because we're we're running short on time here. Think about this though. Goldust was you you praise him for being the intercontinental champion. Mm -hmm. Psycho Sid was the world champion. I know in multiple Patreon Michaels at Madison Square Garden. He uh kicked out of the leg drop from Hulk Hogan. He 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 wore he shit in the Undertaker's face. He did so much shit. And uh, Mike, Mike and Bobby, why not? Okay. Just tell me why not. All right. All right. I'll, I'm going to tell you the exact same thing that I talked to that I said in our in this whole text chain we had about this. My criteria in my personal canon here when it comes to it is, would the business be any different if, if Sid never wrestled? And the answer to me is no. It wouldn't have been any different. It would I have been better. Kind of. And <laughs> I think I think... If you look at Goldust, because of his character at the time, because of his willingness to take that chance, and and to his credit, Vince McMahon letting him kind of go out and do that at the time, I think was really innovative to have a character like that. And I think that paved the way for a lot of the characters that we see now. So I do think that, yeah, the business would be different if we didn't have Goldust. That's why I say yes to Goldust and notice it. Listen, one of the things that... uh Matt, you didn't uh, didn't bring up, but Sid was actually uh, a brief member of the Four Horsemen, um, and I still say out. Um, you know, I, it it has a lot to do with the mic skills. That man has fumbled over more sentences and more phrases, and quite frankly, I can relate because I can't get a fresh sentence off at any huh. point and I will never be in a podcast hall of fame. So I, I honestly, okay. to me, he was just another fucking world's gym steroid popping. He wasn't good to me. I, there was nothing about him that, that really popped out and said, wow, I need to watch a psycho Sid match. No, he, Okay. All right. Yeah, I understand, guys. Listen, listen. Are they, are they, I'm sorry. I, one day I will be able to back up my assertion. Vito, are there any more people on the list? Yes, Vader. In. <laughs> oh, in. sorry. In. Yeah. Okay. All right. But so we got two for in. Are you? What are you saying? I'm in. 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 Oh, we're in. in. We're all in. In. Yeah. Okay. We're all in. Okay. All right. I'll do, I'll do, we'll do, we'll do three more. Ken Shamrock. Out. 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 I love okay. him, but he's out. Okay. Val Venus. Out. 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 <laughs> Who would put him in? For what? Hey, I don't know. You know, hello, ladies. Choppy, choppy, pee, pee. He had some iconic moments. Um, who yeah, else? Who's the other out. one? Oh, Hardcore Holly. Out. Out. How can you not put Hardcore Holly in there? Okay, what about How Brad? can you put him in? What did he win? Did he even win an Intercontinental Championship? Hardcore. He's all... a hardcore champion, man. I would okay. put Crash Holly in before I put Hardcore I was hardcore about to say Holly Crash Holly. Yeah, I was about to say Crash Holly. Um, okay, all right. Well, this is a fun game. We should do this more often. I, yeah, I like this game. Good. This is fun. All right, but no, we, we've got we've to gotta kind of wrap it up here. We're running short on time. But there oh. is one wrestler that... I am trying to figure out why he's not in the Hall of Fame yet. And I'm sure it's just a matter of time because he's still flopping between active and the inactive roster. Big uh, The Rock. Oh, oh yeah, he's not. That's going to be a huge production. And they don't yeah. want to do it during a pandemic, I bet. Yeah. They want to make sure they have the millions 
and millions of the of the people there to uh, to pay their hard earned money, uh, their stimulus checks to Vince McMahon to sit. Yeah. Not. But so- the Big Show, the Big Show, would you put him in there? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Um, I and mean, the other one, Owen Hart. I don't think he'll ever get in there either, more so because of lawsuits, but uh, he should be no, in, you know? I think he's in there. Nope. He's no, in. he's still out. Yeah. I wonder, I'm going to look it up and see if he's in the the other Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. We'll have to take a look. Yeah. But all right, we, we got to keep moving on. We'll, we'll continue this discussion. I say to be continued on this, and uh, maybe we can do a couple more of these. This was this was a good one. Um Okay, uh, so let's do our final thoughts here. I'm going to start it off today. I got a new a new one. I'm going to have a new final thought every week. I just happened to find this glorious book, and it's called Can You Take the Heat? And it's the WWF is cooking. It's a WWF cookbook. Okay, awesome. so yeah, pretty awesome. Got to tell you, they got some great recipes in here. Um, but we're gonna I'm going to name one recipe for you. Okay, and this week is going to be. Just gotta find it here. Give me one second. It is. We talked about them a little bit today. Where the heck is it? Just had it. Bookmarks. They work. Yeah, I had a bookmark <laughs> in here. I had a bookmark in here. It's just I like building suspense. I like building suspense. All right. Well, we're gonna do a different one because I can't seem to find it. So it's uh, Mick Foley's knuckle sandwiches. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna just read this excerpt uh, excerpt real quick. Mick Foley certainly knows how to use his knuckles. And as for the ham in this recipe, young Mickey was always a ham in class and in his locker room, not to mention the ring. I wonder if the snippet parsley parsley in a Foley family favorite or some something that Mick Foley thought on his own. And remember, cutting these babies in quarters diagonally is strictly optional and prohibited in Oklahoma. That is the excerpt from this. <laughs> and it gives a full recipe, which I won't get into. But that is my thought of the day today. That's awesome, Vito. Thank you for that. No problem. Uh, I don't know how I can follow that up, but I will. <laughs> I will provide a a match of the week, so to speak. Uh, I will tell people to go on YouTube, go on to the New Japan Pro Wrestling YouTube channel. There is a free match there. They will do a free match, I think, every Monday that they'll put out on YouTube and watch from one of their shows. I think in late 2017, it is. Uh, Kota Ibushi, who people might know who watched WWE from the Cruiserweight Classic. He wrestled on that. Uh, in, it's him versus, versus uh, I believe it's uh, Okada. And no, no, it's Tanahashi. These, this match was hard hitting. It was probably, a, it was around like a half hour match. And it's, it's fantastic. I think if you want to be exposed to something different than what we've been watching, and I know I talk about being bored with kind of the main product overall. So check that match out. I think it's really great. And, uh, you know, just keep perusing that and, and uh, maybe subscribe to the new Japan network that they have. That's only 10 bucks a month as well. So give it a shot. Love it. Love it. Big mango. Hey, my going away two cents, Mikey cash. Let me think of something really quickly because I don't have anything. <laughs> well, I, no, will, I, I, uh, do you I got something. Them? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, it is. Uh, I don't have anything. All right, Bobby, go ahead. Sorry. Fuck. <laughs> this is great. This is great. I got something. Great. It's coming to me. Oh, it's gone. Fuck. Uh, yeah. 
right. I, w- I want to give a big, uh, big shout out over to uh, ProWrestling.Fandom.com. Their wiki for the Hall of Fame is significantly more comprehensive than the WWE's uh, website. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a bunch of flash fit pictures over there. Uh, and this actually gave me a list who inducted them. Uh, and it was actually significantly easier to read. Um, a couple of the notable uh, inductees was uh, 2012 Yokozuna by Jimmy and Jey Uso. Uh, of, course. of course you'd love them. But it was also the same time in which uh, Mike Tyson was inducted by Shawn Michaels and Triple H. So, uh, which was a fantastic wrestle, uh, WrestleMania, by the way, uh, in Boston. So big up to, uh, Beantown. Uh, that's really all I have. Also, uh, Donald Trump was, uh, inducted into the, uh, the hall of fame in 2013, the following year. Um, but psychos is not what the fuck. Yeah. Yeah. That's so I get celebrity the wing. It's the celebrity wing, the celebrity wing. celebrity wing and so is drew carey like you can't give that that's that the celebrity wing it's absolutely the rules are made up and the points don't matter that's all it is yeah yeah i think drew carey's in there too isn't he he is yeah i hope bob barker gets in there too the guy's like 98 (laughs) withering away if you just let him in there god Uh, what about alex trebek Oh, unfortunately. Oops. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. I know. Sorry. Uh, uh, all right. Well, listen, I, we're, we're, we're hitting the hour mark here. So um, great stuff. Uh, I, I probably, we probably missed on some things, but remember if you have some, some stuff you want to uh, want us to talk about, or you disagree, or you think there's a hall of famer we missed, make sure you tweeted us at from underscore gorilla on the Twitter machine. Uh, as always, we appreciate your time and make sure you spayed new to your pets. Have a great night. We now return your perception of reality to you until next time.